You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slow Down Society. Thanks for being here. We're on episode 119 of the Slow Living Podcast, and I am so thrilled because my new friend, Emily McDermott of the Simple by Emily website and the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast is here with us, and she is going to help shed a light on some questions that I get an awful lot. Questions such as, do I need to become a minimalist if I want to live a slow life? What is a capsule wardrobe? And what on earth is sparking joy with the things we have in our house? And then something that's kind of a new to me term, which is Swedish death cleaning, which I don't know, it sounds kind of creepy, but um, (laughs) we'll see. So Emily, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Slow Living Podcast. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. I am excited to dive into all the things today with you. All the things. Okay. So I know you are a boy mom of a Mm -hmm. five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so you have welcomed into your house now a whole bunch of sports paraphernalia. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) Not too much. Not too much. Lots of Legos though. We have millions of Legos, not so much yet with the sports stuff. (laughs) Are you a Lego sorter by color kind of person or is it all just in one bin? I really wish I could show you my main floor right now. Um, So I actually did a organizational system because we had a big pile on the floor and then the boys would say mom could you find me a purple flat two-piece with a hinge (laughs) wow (laughs) so for my own sanity and being able to get anything done around the house i did do a loose organizational system but that is the main thing they play with and so that is pretty much our main toy in the house. So I have sort of that love hate relationship. A lot of parents have with Legos where you really don't want to step on them. Not sure if I'm ever going to clean my rug again, because there's just a Lego lab on the main floor, but it's a lot of fun. Do they like kind of free play with Legos or do you keep all of the, the manuals of like, Uh. now do this and now do that? (laughs) They free play with them. They have requested to keep the manuals because they like to look at them and sometimes build the Lego app. You can actually get get all of that on the app, but we have an organized library of manuals. (laughs) And yes, we actually went through that recently just to get some uh, gift lists to make sure we were not duplicating when making requests for gifts. So I try to keep it as organized as I can. I like everything about this because... I am married to a 47-year-old engineer and the man will not throw away like appliance boxes. So is this who he would have been at (laughs) age five or seven? This is hysterical to me. Yes, definitely. There is a website, which I can make sure that you link to. I think it's it's all the manuals that you would ever want or need online 
for like everything. So anytime someone says, do I have to hold on to this manual? I say no, because you can find them online for your husband, at least. But my (laughs) kids, they do kind of look through them kind of like books or they will want to build something again. So for the time being, I'm keeping them, but I have the authority to change my mind. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, so I like this idea because I know you teach about having your stuff fit your container. And I, yeah. I get questions from people when they're they're trying to declutter or they're trying to purge things from their house of like, well, how many of this do I need? And how mm. many of that do I need? And for me, I'm like, well, if you have the storage, do what you want to do. Like there's no rules. How do you teach? I would say having the container is part of it, but I actually like to go back to capacity a little Mm. bit more, your personal capacity. So I know we're going to be talking about your clothes, for example. And when we're thinking about stuff, it's actually choices. So if we are both getting dressed in the morning, you have 50 shirts, I have 20 shirts, you have more choices than I do. And so there are more decisions for you than there are for me. Mm. There's more complexity, but also, you know, looking at you as a mom, I'm a mom. I wouldn't say that our capacity to manage things is maybe so different. Maybe mine's a little less because my kids are younger, but we should probably be making decisions as to what we own based upon our capacity to actually manage it rather than, well, I'm in a 2000 square foot home, you're in a 3,500 square foot home. So you should have more stuff than I do because of the space. So Mm -hmm. I always go back to, you know, of course, what matters most, that's the lens by which we're making all our decluttering decisions. Then what is my capacity to actually manage said amount? What do I want to manage? Because so much of motherhood is inventory management. (laughs) And then we can go to, okay, I want books on this bookshelf. I'm going to start filling the bookshelf with what I love and what I like first. And then if other things don't fit, then I'm going to consider donating those. So I'm trying to move forward with this capacity-based minimalism slash decluttering um, approach. (laughs) So I like that because it's so much more holistic and realistic than someone saying, these are the hundred items to have in your home and nothing else. And and I get it because that's great clickbait and wonderful like marketing hype and, and sort of plays into this hustle culture of do it this way. And if you're not doing it this way, you're wrong. And that's not real life. So I love that you teach people to understand that your life is going to look different than the lady down the street. And your capacity for stuff is is different than maybe your parents or your sisters. Yeah. And also that plays into your calendar too. So a lot of time we look at the capacity of our calendar based upon the number of hours that we have in the day, but it's more, what is our capacity to manage it? What is my kid's capacity to manage extracurricular activities? Maybe I've decided, okay, I know how they are when they get home and that they need that recharge time. So we're going to do the one after school practice a week. You can tell I'm in the sports mode. <laughs> yeah. But no, I feel I like, like that. I, I yeah. teach people um, when they're asking things of, is, is absolutely that. And so in our life, we decided we're going to do one thing for your brain and one thing for your body. 
and, I like and leave it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find that there is a lot of external pressure depending on where you live. I'm in the greater DC Metro area, very competitive, very much like, okay, we're just going to go from this practice to this, to this, to this. And then you really have to go, well, what is my capacity to manage that we're all happy and healthy and enjoying time as a family. And then that goes back to that values, you know, conversation that you have to have um, about what matters most. It's always going back to what matters most. (laughs) So what are your parameters that you've put on yourself? So you don't feel kind of like that pressure to keep up with that go, go, go DC, uh, hyper competitive culture. Mm, Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that I know myself, it's more of that self understanding and reflection. And then also the reason I got into this in the first place, (laughs) all of this, I didn't go to school for stuff management. I like to say was because of infertility and having unexplained infertility and being so stressed out and always saying yes to everything just when it was just me right? When I was working and then all the volunteer things and it was impacting my health. I didn't have any margin or space to be able to conceive, to be able to be the thing I wanted to be most. And so ever since then, I've been very protective, not only of my time, but recognizing when something is coming from something I know is going to be life giving rather than life draining and recognizing something that I feel obligated to do like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I know we were talking in my podcast about volunteering in a school. Like I can know that I'm a good mom that is supporting my children and I don't have to be in the school all the time because that is going to be stretching me too thin with the other things that I have going on. Can you now sort of tell the warning signs? Like, do you feel like, like a little bit anxiety or, or pressure in your chest yes. um, that, that sort of yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did you know? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, first off, I want to give you a big hug because I'm sorry that you suffered from infertility and I, okay. I, um, it's really, really heavy and a lot of people, um, have struggled with it. And, um, and I'm, and I'm just sorry. I'm sorry that you had to have that life experience. Um, I'm glad you made it through to, to the other side. And I'm happy for you that you have these little boys and what's neat then for you is you have so much awareness now of what a gift they are and you can pour your all into them. But what I would like for you to do, and it sounds like you're doing it is pour your all into them without sacrificing yourself. Yes. And it is a constant learning process (laughs) for sure, especially as I am wanting to uh, be able to help women. And I know that as you grow in this online business space, you're like, oh, I want to be able to give and give and help and help and help. And then you need to be able to kind of put those parameters. I mean, I have a podcast called Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, for goodness sake. So I can't be, I can't be <laughs> well, the overwhelmed well, one. <laughs> well, and because I can already tell you're not a fraud, you're not going to yeah. not practice what you preach. So that's right. good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So you had thrown around a few different um, sort of phrases. So I recognize the the sparking joy as a Marie Kondo. Do you feel 
like people really should walk through their house and hold things and decide on purpose if this sparks joy? No. (laughs) (laughs) The short answer is no. Oh, good. The long answer is who has time for that? I know. Who has well, time okay. for that? So, so I'm I'm gonna show you this thing that's on my desk, and you guys can't uh-huh. see it because it's um Zoom, but you're just gonna have to trust me. This is a triangle rock that yes. is covered in dust, but it's been on my desk for I don't know 15 years, and it is an unhappy rock that my oldest at one point put googly eyes on and blue hair. <laughs> and the blue hair it. has moved. It, it's off. The The blue hair is off now. And yeah. that's because we once had no money at all. And so our only trips were camping. And I brought googly eyes from the dollar store so the mm. kids could glue eyes on rocks while we were camping. And so it's really interesting because sometimes I'll get frantic and I want to declutter and I just pull out a hefty bag and start tossing. And then this rock means nothing to anybody but Mm -hmm. me. She doesn't, she doesn't remember doing it. My husband is like, what is this thing? And, and we've now moved it like six times in different boxes. And so, so to me that does spark joy, but it makes no sense to to anybody (laughs) else. Um, But then there's also five people in this house Mm -hmm. and who knows like, like I can't just decide on purpose what should or shouldn't spark joy in somebody else. And this is funny. Well, I'm just looking at my desk now. I also have a broken nightlight, which brings me no joy. So I should <laughs> okay, throw that Okay, there away. you go. <laughs> yeah, there are. And, I, and I'm not anti-spark joy completely. It's just that a lot of times when women are trying to declutter. And I always talk about having, you know, 10 or 15 minute increments because Mm -hmm. you're not going to have an entire weekend to do it. And even if you did, you wouldn't want to declutter. You're going to want to do something fun. So just be, if you want to do your closet, for example, putting everything out on the bed, and then it's like, all of a sudden your kid's up early from their nap or, you know, whatever. And so it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? That's what I mean. You're not going to necessarily be able to hold everything up and does it spark joy? I feel like there are other questions that are better. (laughs) No, if I had to clear everything off my desk and only keep what was purposeful, I would end up throwing away this little rock. Right. But, but then stuff in five years would be bummed. And and, yeah, that's but- what, and that's why I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's so tricky. Like I get it. And, and yeah. it's, it's super fancy marketing. Like this is how you do it. And this is the right way. And the only right way. Now give me mm-hmm. money for the rest of your life. <laughs> I, I will say that you're doing something a lot of people don't do, which is to display the sentimental item. So a lot of times people have sentimental items, but they're in a box somewhere mm-hmm. in the closet. And so when you have sentimental items, that's totally fine. And it brings joy to you to see it because there's mm-hmm. that story and that memory attached. But if you're choosing to keep the physical thing, which is awesome, that's fine. Just being able to display it. And then also making sure from the perspective of not burdening your family members mm-hmm. if something were to happen that you share with your kids why it's important, that you have a story attached to your stuff. And that is what you're passing down. Like, even if you were to, you know, pass suddenly and they're like, well, what do I do with this rock? They know, they would know, oh, this is why it was important 
to mom and then they can make the decision whether they're keeping that or not. But it all goes back to, are we displaying what matters most? Are we curating it? Mm. You know, you're not going to have like every single thing out, but just Mm. kind of like having that curating mindset. And I love that rock. I think that's a great thing to have. (laughs) Well, no, but it's interesting because if you end up like watching HGTV or stuff, like you, you see this picture of a bookcase where all of the books are sorted by color. And then there's like, I don't know, some stupid knickknack that maybe you got from TJ Maxx, but really it might look pretty, but it yeah. doesn't mean anything. Yes. And and for some reason we're trying to do this stuff to impress maybe yeah. people, like, like people from church who drop by, like, I don't know who these people are, but for <laughs> me, if my books were sorted by color, I'd never be able to find them. I yeah. want all my business books together, all my novels books together, all of my, mm-hmm. my how, how to parent books together. And, and so- it's just really interesting. Um, yeah. And, and I would, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, instead of does it spark joy, there's actually two questions that I think are good alternates that are actually like get to the meat of what you want. And for sentimental items, it would be if this item were to spontaneously combust, how would I feel? And I didn't come up with the spontaneous combustion question. That was the minimalist. These two guys, they call themselves the minimalists. But anyway, Um, when it comes to things that we're holding out of guilt or obligation, maybe family heirlooms that really don't mean anything to us, then if that were to spontaneously combust, we'd probably feel relief. And if you feel relief, then you might want to consider letting go. But for your rock, if that combusted, you'd be very sad. So you want to make sure. (laughs) I mean, I certainly wouldn't save it in a fire or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other question. Yeah. Yeah. About like, if you were to go on vacation and you get a call from your neighbor and they say, oh, Stephanie, I'm so sorry. Um, your dog's safe. Every, you know, everyone's okay, but your house just flooded. Stephanie, tell me uh, two things you would miss. Oh my gosh. What? what I don't know. Your rock? I, no, no. <laughs> okay. if, 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 if the people in Sheldon are okay. It, it's just fine. Okay. So, so that is interesting <laughs> though. So if you have to like evacuate and you are in a, in a storm area, do you teach people how to have a system? Oh, um, I should. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet. It's just yeah. more like when you ask that hypothetical question, a lot of times people will say photos. And so mm. I say, okay, well, what but are you doing all, to like, preserve? Now they're all like in the cloud, right? Yeah. But like older photos, like what are you doing to preserve your photos? Have you scanned any of them yet? You know, or if it's just anything that they're like, a lot of times the point is though, we have these agonizing decisions about, do I keep this? Do I let it go? Mm. I paid so much money. What if it fits mm. me someday? I'm going to mm. use it someday. We go back and forth and tell ourselves all these stories about how we might use something someday in some aspirational future yet. If our home were to flood today, we wouldn't miss any of it because we can't even think of it. If we're prompted, <laughs> we'll be like, what would you miss? Oh, photos. Okay. We'll take care of your photos. And then none of the rest yeah. of it matters. Well, so, so it's so interesting because my husband has backed up all of our photos and, um, in this like weird psycho way. Like he tried to explain it to me when I'm like, whatever. I'm like, if you die, just give me passwords for things because this is really tricky for me. <laughs> but um, we, we had, um, we had a podcast episode on sentimental decluttering and that yeah. has been downloaded 
an awful lot of times, but we, I get questions about downsizing and and like what's mm-hmm. important and what's not. And I do know that kind of the, the boomer generation kept a lot more yes. than this kind of like millennial and most certainly Gen Z mm-hmm. generation. Um, are, are there, are there certain things that, that no matter what we should always keep, or is it really like every, like, like a, a minimalist kind of idea that everything should fit in the duffel bag and be able to put in the, <laughs> put in the back of a van and go live down by the river? <laughs> I know. Well, I think to your point, just, we want our homes to be comfortable. Obviously they don't need to be that pottery barn, picture, perfect, color coded, whatever, but it does need to be a place where we feel safe, where we feel happy, where we can create memories. And so then when you're deciding the stuff, it's like, well, is that helping with that or is it hindering it? You know, like when you have people that they look around and all they see is clutter, well, your brain registers clutter as undone tasks. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in the kitchen, it's like, I have to sign that form. I need to put that dish away. I haven't started my crock pot meal for the day. (laughs) So my crock pot's reminding me of that. And we see it as undone tasks. So that's like the mental load and the mental aspect of it. And we can't feel at peace and clutter. Actually, there are studies that show that it raises your cortisol levels. And so it actually is stressing you out. So when you're deciding there's no legalistic perfect answer as to like how much you should own, Mm -hmm. but it should be moving you towards the life that you want to pursue Mm -hmm. and want to live and not further away from it and be able to allow you to live and make memories and enjoy your time in your home. So it's not like a straight answer, but I'm always trying to help people figure out like what is enough, like what is our like the recalibration of enough from when I was, for example, online wanting to buy dresses all the time for some aspirational future where I would buy wear dresses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like in do. case you got invited to a wedding. Like, yeah. Like or like of, a okay. clam bake or something. Oh, you know? <laughs> wait, I've never gone to a clam bake. Do Me you either. wear dresses? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I always thought I'd be like wanting to wear dresses like a fifties housewife all oh, the time. And yeah. And so then did as you I watch started Mad to, Men? I did. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, as I, I like, yeah, I like, I can't even remember her name right now, but I did spend some time searching for an idea. Yes, exactly. Dresses. So I started she, yeah, she looked great. acquiring less because I was like, well, I don't need all these dresses because I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like, where am I wearing them? Mm. But then I started to require less and then I started to desire less. And then that's the recalibration of enough that, that like my enough level mm. has gone down. So now if I see an Instagram ad, I don't feel the need to buy it. I can unsubscribe from retail emails. I don't have to feel like consuming something and buying something is going to make things better or improve my life. Like I can actually just be happier with a lower level of enough. So I think that as that shifts, then you're naturally just going to have less in your home, which is going to help, yeah. I think. When it comes right down to it, we all just want to climb into bed each night feeling calm, content, and at peace. We want to know that we were able to keep all the balls in the air and were productive without neglecting our own needs and wants. I know. I get it. That is why I recorded a free masterclass on the 10 things happy, successful people do each and every day 
and I'd love for you to join us. Learn simple and practical tips to reclaim the sanity and joy in your home and family at stephanieoday.com forward slash masterclass. So you help people kind of create capsule wardrobes also. So what is exactly a capsule wardrobe? What does that entail? Yeah. So a capsule wardrobe is just sort of a more limited number of clothing pieces that hopefully work together. (laughs) But really the gist of it is that you're able to reduce your decision fatigue when it comes to getting dressed in the morning. So supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day. I think it's more for parents because we're, depending on the age of your kids, making decisions for them too. And so we want to be able to go into our closet. Everything in there is what we love and what fits us right now, not what fit us five years ago or what we think we might wear five years from now. Um, And I actually had a guest and she said that exactly. And it was like, it's not a, what did she say? A museum for what used to fit you (laughs) or a warehouse for what might fit you. And so you go in and you're like, okay, it's easy for me me to make it. It's easy for me to make a decision. It's easy for me to get dressed. I like what I have. And so I am not like a style person. I joke that I'm kind of missing the style gene. I know I'm not, but I have just kind of like basic things that go together that I like that I wear that work for my lifestyle and it just makes it easy. But part of it, part of the equation I don't think people talk about much is how often you do laundry. Mm. And that does play into it because I do laundry every day by choice. So I don't have to think about it. And so I can have less because I'm doing laundry every day. And then I'm always able to wear my favorites because of that. But if you're doing laundry, like once every two weeks, well, your capsule quote unquote is going to look different than mine because of the way you're rotating through the clothes. So that's part of the equation as well. So since right now you're a stay at home mom, do you advise people who don't need to leave the house or maybe they're working from home to still get dressed? (laughs) I would say yes. I haven't really advised anyone on that specifically, but I would say yes, because I think that it's kind of a, a mental thing you know, that transition and and getting ready for the morning. And we've talked before about modeling, like what we're modeling to our kids. And actually today I I pretended to faint on the floor this morning at seven (laughs) because my five-year-old came in. He's our little cuddle bug. He came in, he was fully dressed. He said, mommy, I, I dress and I brush my teeth and here's my pajamas for the laundry. And I was like, ah, because he's normally the one you have to poke and prod. But he did his morning routine and part of the morning routine for the kids is getting dressed. So I feel like even staying at home now, I'm not going to tell you, I don't wear my wearable blanket, my comfy on top of what I'm wearing, Yeah, but I do make a point to get dressed because I think it's important transition for your mind. And then also good for modeling for kids. I think. Do you have capsule wardrobes for the boys? I would not say super organized Pinterest worthy, but do they have a limited number of shirts and pants that work together and then they can just get dressed on their own and they do then yes. And based upon the amount of laundry I do, it is probably like seven to 10 pairs of pants, seven to 10 shirts at most. 
And it just makes it super easy for them and super easy for me. They're not pulling stuff out like, where's this shirt? I can't find it. They can open up their drawer and they can see all seven or eight or whatever in the drawer. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I I am a huge fan of reducing decision fatigue. And and so, I mean, even as, as far as simplifying meals and, yes. and lunches, um, we kind of, I mean, I have lots of recipes, but in real life, the O'Day family kind of has two weeks of meals and then we mm-hmm. just rotate through them to alleviate decision fatigue and, and grocery shopping and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, when it, when it comes to like, when the kids are older and start having hobbies and collections <laughs> and things like that, should parents curate for the kids or, or create boundaries or Mm -hmm. if it's in your room, whatever it's in your room. (laughs) I think as young an age as possible as you can to be teaching kids about the artificial boundaries is really important because they need to know not only like you and I have spoken about that everything has to have a home. And a lot of times it's actually helpful with real little kids because they have like stuffed animals, a lot of them. So you can be like, well, where does Mr. Penguin live? he lives on the bed and where does this, you know, person live? He lives here. And for me, my boys have treasure boxes. I'm using treasure in air quotes. It's like this. Okay. Pause. Okay, that's weird. Okay. So, so what, this is funny, you guys, cause we're recording a podcast and it's on zoom and zoom somehow now has artificial intelligence. So it's giving us like gold stars. So when they think, so Emily's voice just went up and she did air quotes and then these virtual balloons covered her face. That is really weird. And we keep getting thumbs up and I keep making it seem like, okay, there's still only two participants in our Zoom room. So what is going on? So this is the AI bots yes. have overcome wow. our thing. Okay. But that was a real spontaneous laugh really from you, dist- Emily. Yeah, I got really weird. distracted there. Sorry about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But, they but we have- are real people. So sometimes people are like, so do you really write your own emails? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I really am a real person. Emily really is a real person. She's, she's recording in Virginia and I'm recording yes. in California and um, I'm wearing slippers and Sheldon is under the desk. Because <laughs> real life. Hashtag real life. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to try to do treasure boxes <laughs> no, we're, without we're, Zoom we're, getting we're too excited. We're professionals here, you guys. Professionals. <laughs> oh, okay. So the boys have these treasure boxes and it's all the stuff they've gotten from birthdays and school and the dentist and everything. And so they have that just one little shoe box where they keep that kind of stuff. My kids actually do not have toys in their room. Personal choice because you want them to have ownership and autonomy and authority over what's in their room. And so it makes it really hard (laughs) to keep it neat and tidy, you know, if they have so much stuff in there. So I would recommend having artificial boundaries as much as possible. So then that's just kind of a normal thing. And even with my kids, as young as they are, we play this game, uh, love, like, maybe no. So when you take a container Oh, wait, that sounds like a bachelor dating game. Okay, so it's (laughs) love, like, maybe, no. Okay, Uh it could also be a drinking game. It could be a drinking game. That is so funny. Oh my goodness. Love, like, maybe, no. Okay. So start with the container. You take everything out. What do we love first? We're going to put that in 
What do we like? Put that in. Oh boy, my youngest, Sean. Okay, Sean, it's getting a little bit full. What do you think? Well, I don't like this anymore. Okay, what do we do with what we don't like? Throw it away, throw it Mm. away. So they're able to do that because they see how much space is left. They want to start with what they love and what they like. But the thing is for the maybe, and this goes for kids and adults that you can use an out of sight, out of mind bin, Mm. which is that you're able, if you can't make that decision right away, put it aside, make sure the kids can't see through it. Put a sticky note on the top for that 30, 60, 90 days reminder in your phone. And if you can't remember anything that's in there and no one's asked for it, then try to have the courage just to let it go after that time period goes by. I like that idea also because a lot of people right now are in this kind of like sandwich generation where they're taking care of their parents who might be downsizing and their children. And if we're combining households and maybe creating a multi-generational household, or if maybe you're thinking about moving your parents into an assisted living facility or something, that kind of love, like maybe no, is a really good way of looking at things because it's not just black or white of yes or no. Like it's okay to have a maybe pile and and revisit. That's that's very thoughtful and respectful and realistic. Wow. Three R's. And I know you too are a fan of alliteration, Um, (laughs) but uh, it's just in real life, not everything is super cut or dry. And if you find that you need a little bit more time to make such a life altering decision, there's nothing wrong with you. Like that's okay. We're we're like unless a lease is coming up or you have to sell at a certain time, just thoughtfully and, and methodically go through things because some of these sentimental things, I don't want you to kick yourself in a few years because you got rid of something um in this kind of like frantic way. Yeah. And I think I always recommend people start with the most unsentimental, unemotional things possible. I recommend starting in your car because Mm. it's mostly trash and things that need to be relocated into your home. Then the bathroom, Mm. the medicine cabinet, then maybe your kitchen and doing like the expired pantry food, you know, so you're because decluttering is decision making and clutter is just delayed decisions. That's all it really mm. is. And if you want to give yourself, like you said, that grace of having that maybe box and knowing when you get to that more difficult stuff that you're not feeling trapped. But when you start with the easy stuff, you're going to have those wins and really get the momentum to be like, okay, I can make decisions. And then you're able to better deal with the more difficult stuff down the road. Absolutely. And if you're in the midst of grief, it's really difficult to come up with a good decision um, because you haven't you haven't healed in, yeah. in, in losing someone or losing a home or, or sometimes people reach out to me because they're going through a divorce. And so if you haven't taken the time to really grieve and, and heal, moving on, sometimes you're just not ready and that's okay Be- because the, everyone is completely and totally different. And it's so funny. And this is why um, I suck at marketing Emily McDermott is because <laughs> like 
there's there's really no one size fits all answer to to living life. Uh, there's yeah. there's so many maybes, and I think it is so respectful that you give that to your clients and to the women who reach out to you. That um um I don't know. Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss yeah. what makes sense to you versus handing them a prescription of no. You need to have five things in your closet and this is what it is. And if you don't do it this way, you're wrong. Like that's not real mm-hmm. life. Yeah. One of the questions, like you said, instead of the, does it spark joy when it comes to dealing with that grief is, um, does this represent a wound or a scar? Mm. So if it's still a wound and you're still processing and you're still healing, then hold on to that. But if it's something where it is a scar, ask yourself, you know, okay, well, do I need the physical thing? Can I take a picture of it? Can I tell a story about it? There's different ways that you don't necessarily need the physical item, but I know a mom that she's been on a minimalist path for many years, but she uh, lost her son. He died as an infant. Mm-hmm. She said, I, I, I hold on to everything, every single thing. And I probably always will. And that doesn't make her any less of a simple living declutter mom minimalist. It's because that will be a wound for a very long time. It may never be a scar and that's okay because you don't, I always joke, you don't have the minimalist police coming to your house and being like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. I saw you in the dollar spot at, um, or bullseyes, whatever they call it. Oh, Target. Target. oh I love that area. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It'd be like, oh my, I'm, I'm going to take, I need to take that minimalism um, membership yeah. card you have away from you. No, there's no yeah. police when it comes to this. No, it, it, and it's really interesting because I, I did a whole, so I like that you listened to my and land podcast, but then um, we had talked about labels. And so if you label yourself as a minimalist, it doesn't mean that's your full identity forever and ever and ever. Like, like you can do both things. Um, and, and same with frugality. I'm a very frugal person, but sometimes I splurge and, so, and I do like keeping a clutter-free home, but I love shopping the dollar store and, and, and it makes no sense from a, a minimalist standpoint or a frugality standpoint, except for it scratches this itch that sometimes I have that I want to push the cart up and down the aisles and buy whatever I want. <laughs> I just do. I just do because I'm, I'm a full-fledged human. I would like if you aren't in a rush to to go back because in the intro we had talked about Swedish death cleaning and oh, yes. I still don't know what it is and I don't yes. want to leave anybody hanging. I understand. And I I I love this topic so I can be very concise though with it, you know, and I Okay, it has nothing to do with Swedish fish, right? Like No, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Mm-mm. Okay. So there's a very short and pretty fun book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning that came out I think in 2018. And the woman that wrote it, she seemed really fun. She says she's between 80 and 100 (laughs) in the book. I love it. But there's something in Sweden called Swedish death cleaning, or they probably just call it death cleaning, which is that you are preparing (laughs) your home. So if something were to happen to you unexpectedly, your family would not be burdened Mm -hmm. by having to go through all of your stuff and not knowing what to do with it. And so this woman, she had to do it for several of her family members and learned a thing or two. And so then she was sharing that. And I think the things that I took away most from it is that, yes, I want to make sure that I keep my own stuff to a minimum so that I'm not burdening 
my family, but also when it comes to sentimental things, they know why it's important to me having a story behind it. But also she recommends having a box or I have a file and you put something on there that says throw away when I die. So then you can <laughs> you can have your rock there if you want, your triangular rock. And it's meaning, it just, just means something to me, mm. but you don't need to hold on to it after I pass because it just meant something to me. So I wrote a novel when I was in fourth grade. I still have the original. Life has its ups and downs. It was very compelling, let me tell you. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's in my box. That's very insightful that 10-year-old <laughs> Emily wrote a novel. Life does have its ups and downs. It's true Wow. Yeah. So that's some of the aspects of it, but I also have written like something in a Google doc that I've shared with my husband about my funeral wishes. What do I want my readings to be? What do I want the music to be? I'm going to be cremated and turn into a tree. So so when you did that, Mm -hmm. you were thoughtful and you must've been in a really good headspace because even I just met you an hour ago and you talking to me about planning your funeral. I feel <laughs> so much emotion welling up because Aww. that's that's really tricky. Yeah, no, I know. And I actually did this four years ago and I'm in good health. It wasn't because of a health scare or anything. It just was more of the, I don't want my husband being in grief and having to make decisions about what I would have wanted at my funeral or what I would have wanted him to do with this stuff. And we have our shared password vault so we can get, you know, and know where our documents are and all that like logistical stuff. Mm -hmm. But then also it does kind of help you living more intentionally because you want to make sure that your loved ones are able to just grieve and not have to think about all of this other stuff. And so, yeah, as Americans, especially we, we really shy away from thinking about death or anything, but I think it's a very proactive way to not only get your affairs in order, but to really be able to live more intentionally with the time we have right now. It's a big marker of stoicism of knowing you will die. You will. And, um, embracing it. And with the idea of if I died today, it would be okay. And you're right. We don't want to think about that because it's icky um, and it's heavy, but it is probably one of the best gifts you can give your family is um, it'll be okay. But but it, it's really heavy. Yikes. Okay. Now we have to talk about something different. Ow, <laughs> Where's the balloons when we need them? I know. Come on, Zoom. Where's our AI? Okay. So on a daily basis right now with your your five-year-old and your seven-year-old, because I'm so far removed, what does your morning look like? We're gonna we're gonna be the real 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 now, not the yeah, aspirational real. real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The fr- well, I already know that you're super cool. So so <laughs> so embracing that you are real and you're organized and you're super yes. cool. What does your morning look like? I would say ideally, I am up in order to get my workout gear on before my kids are up. I used to get up at five every day and do the workouts and the whole thing. Now that I am working at home, I have some more flexibility with this entrepreneurial (laughs) pursuit that I have. So the main goal in the morning is first getting the kids, uh, getting their routines, kind of getting them out the door, getting myself fed, that sort of thing. I do, however, once they've got on the bus, 
do kind of like the morning tidy of the kitchen, making sure the things are put away, then being able to start that load of laundry since I want to get my laundry done every day, just kind of those foundational things. And then looking at my day, I do use kind of the combination of paper planner and Google um, Google Calendar and just being like, okay, what's going on today? Oh, I was supposed to send Stephanie questions for our interview and I didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> that it's kind okay. of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, I actually really like organic podcast interviews. I really yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> so yeah, then it's just kind of getting into my work for the day. And yeah, I will say that when it comes to movement, I'm making sure I'm moving my body. I'm more doing like dancing and outdoor walks and things that really bring me happiness and joy in that movement instead of some more rigorous things that I have done in the past, just because I feel like it's serving me better in this season. So that's, I think the only other thing that would be part of my morning routine. I like that. I like that. Emily, thank you so much for spending so much time with us. So I know that everyone can find you at the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. And then also your website is Simple by Emily. Is the URL simplebyemily.com? It's actually Simple by Emmy. I know. Super confusing. Oh, Emmy, that's right. No, it's not (laughs) confusing. That's right. So do your real life friends call you Emmy? No, it was a nickname, well, for my dad, actually. And for some reason, when I started the company, I just named it that. And so, yeah, you can call me whatever you like, but yeah, it's just simple, simple by M-E-E-M-M-Y.com. And I am a poet on the side. So I have custom poetry services. If people want a poem for a special occasion, then that's on there too. In addition to the podcast and my blog. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for spending so much time with us. And I will talk to you again next week, Slow Down Society. You take care and have a great day. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials. And I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living lifestyle and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.